0: Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? What well, time's coming when we're gonna to have to handy up. Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports. With the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. The flip,
1: takes it in for the touchdown.
0: And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Giannis fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lin Baez, Magic Johnson, Bernard King,
2: and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to uh, Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. Before I do that before I speak about the AFC and the NFC championship games, before I speak about the heroic performance by Patrick Mahomes, before I speak about the gutsy performance by the Kansas City football team, before I speak about the domination of the Philadelphia Eagles, before I get into the N- the NBA, which I haven't spoke about in a little bit on the last segment of the program, before I get into all of those things, there's uh, something that I want to touch on something that I'm very passionate about, something that I follow closely. I want to, um once again, bring light, bring spotlight to another case of our nation's uh, terrorist squad, also known as the, uh, the police committing another murder. Thoughts and prayers going out to the family of Tyree Nichols, again, the latest victim of color, to be murdered by our nation's terrorist squad, known as the local police or the police department. Now, according to... To the police, also known as the domestic terrorists. Tyree Nichols, a 29 year old black man, was hospitalized after the arrest on January 7th and died three days later from injuries sustained. Five officers from the Memphis Police Department, who also are black, were fired and faced criminal char- uh, charges. The name of the thugs the name of these criminals, the name of these cowards, the name of these pieces of shit, the name of these losers, the name of these disgraces to the human race, the disgrace to the black community and every community out there. The name of these five thugs are Tedarius Bean, Demetrius Haley, Emmett Martin III, I'm quite sure first and second are very proud of you, Emmett, Desmond Mills the sec- uh, the second, Jr., A senior is walking around the streets with his head held high after what you did. And Justice, Justin Smith, these thugs, these scumbags, these pieces of garbage, these murderers, these domestic terrorists are facing charges that include second degree murder, aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, official misconduct. And official oppression. There is still um, arrests still going on. Or people losing their job. Get those motherfuckers. And put those motherfuckers in jail. Anybody who is part of this murder. Should be arrested. And have their ass put in jail. For this murder. Now the the, uh, Memphis Police Department were part of a specialized team, or these guys were part of a specialized team known as the SCORPION Unit, an acronym for Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods, that the department launched in uh, 2021. A day after the release of the body cam video of Nichols' arrest, the Memphis Police Department said it would permanently disband the unit. And look, man, I get it. I understand it. And on the surface, I kind of agree with it, man. Sometimes you got to go ahead and you got to put a little extra boots to the uh, ground, to the community where there's going to be people who are going to be doing wrong, who are going to be committing, committing felonies, who are going to be doing everything to tear down the community. And you know what? Th- those people who are doing that, they shouldn't be dealt with with kid gloves. They shouldn't be dealt with um, g- gingerly. But, but, but this was over the top. This was to the extreme. This was ridiculous. This was murder. So, yes, yeah, something had to be done. Police released the footage of the murder nearly three weeks after it took place. After the murder took place, according to a statement from the uh, terrorist squad known as the uh, Memphis Police, on January 7th at approximately 8.30 p.m., officers pulled over a vehicle for suspect driving, uh, reckless driving. The um, confrontation occurred between officers officers. And the vehicle's driver, later identified as Nichols, who then fled on foot, according to Memphis police. uh, Officers apprehended him, and another confrontation occurred, resulting in Nichols' arrest. An ambulance was called to the scene of the arrest after Nichols complained of shortness of breath, and he was transported to a nearby hospital in critical condition, according to a statement on January 10th, three days after the stop, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation announced Nichols had died due to injuries sustained in the use of force incident with others, with, with officers. So these thugs in terrorist clothing would have gotten away with it if this wall wasn't recorded and kind of swept under the rug. It is, it's disgusting. It's disturbing. It's something to where we take a look at this and we sit and I I just sit to myself and I just think to myself, how many other instances similar to this has happened in our communities? And it's not getting any publicity. It's not being put on CNN. It's not being put on MSNBC. It's not being spoke about at the uh, at 6 p.m. on PBS. It's not being spoke about on Fox, even though I'm quite sure that the race-baiting assholes that are on Fox um, television will go ahead and play to their racist, ignorant, out-of-touch, blinded base by saying something like, well, again, you know, why did Tyrese Nichols have the run? Why did Tyrese Nichols had to do this somehow, some way, especially when it comes to a black man being murdered by the police for these jackasses to somehow some way protect the good old police officers it's a situation where it's like well it's got to be it's got to be the person who was murdered it's got to be his fault it would be interesting to see how much the officers on Fox uh, the people who are talking about this on Fox it would be interesting to see how much of the excuses they would be making for the officers if these officers were white I'm quite sure Tucker Carlson having on that coon Jason Whitlock, and I'm quite quite sure that fucking bitch Laura Ingram, and I'm quite sure all of those others race baiting assholes would sit there and somehow, some way, put the blame on this to Tyree Nichols, or at least to say, hey, well, the police shouldn't have done that, but you got to remember, this was a guy who ran from the scene. I'm quite sure, again, with Fox, in the way that they call the news, I'm quite sure, again, to feed their racist, ignorant base of of viewers, I wonder what type of slant, I wonder what type of bias they would have in terms of excusing the cops for what they did if these five officers were white, because it always goes to the playbook When these guys, uh, when these police murder these people, it's always somehow, some way, the victim's fault. Well, he was wearing a hoodie. Well, he was arrested 10 years ago. Well, he was unemployed. Well, he was in a bad neighborhood of town. Well, he was wearing Adidas with his shoes untied. Well, he was wearing baggy pants. Well, he was having these types of uh, tattoos. Well, he looked menacing at the cops. Well, he didn't cooperate. Well, we thought he was going to do something. Well, you know, he didn't comply when we did this, that, and the other. Well, in 7th grade, in social studies class, he got a C-. minus. Well, you know, he was uh, pulled over for a parking ticket six weeks ago. Well, you know, he was divorced. Well, I mean, there's always something. There's always something with these guys when they make the excuses for these domestic terrorists. There's always something to say, well, the police had to do what they had to do. It's a tough job out there, so they had to do what they had to do, and they just happened to murder somebody. Well, I mean, that's just part of the job because, hey, it's either going to be the police or it's either going to be the victim, and if the victim is one of color, and if he's poor, then, hey, you know, we're going to side with the police almost all the time. So it's, it's, it's just interesting to see moving forward what happens and what kind of example that this is going to be done or or what's going to be happening to the five black officers but I'm quite sure they're not going to get nearly the treatment of um benefit of the doubt as if they were white if they were white and they shouldn't but neither should the white officers but you know that, that that's the situation that always that I'm always interested in and, you know, black folks always have to sit there and be like, we be praying and we be hoping and we be doing this. No, man, it's about time. And, and people outside of the understanding wonder why every now and then we have to uh, express our displeasure with anger because this of uh, things like this. So, you know, as I kept trying to educate folks on, hey, man, you know, the, open your eyes, learn some things, educate yourselves, find out what's going on, because... You know, I was reading something in terms of when this uh, Tyrese Nichols situation took place, that um, out here in Vegas, there were similar cases. In terms of a lot of similarities between what happened to Tyree Nichols and the police and what happened to uh, a few uh, murdered uh, people out here because of the domestic, the local domestic terrorists known as the police department out here in Vegas, Uh, the case involving Brian Williams, who died in downtown Las Vegas. In 2019, in the early morning hours of September 5th, 2019, the Las Vegas MPD officers tried to stop Brian Williams because he didn't have a light on his bicycle. He rode away and then took off running. Police captured him and put him face down with handcuffs behind his back. Um, let me see. Williams said, I can't breathe 24 times and then went limp. Kind of also sounds a little bit like George Floyd, correct? he was taken to the hospital and was pronounced dead less than an hour later none of the murderers or the police officers had ever been held have ever been held accountable some of the officers even refused to give statements to investigators if you're part of don't don't, don't tell me as a police person don't tell me how you would never do that and how you're appalled by that and how you think that's horrible and that's terrible and i can't believe those things would happen and then back up the same people who did that in your profession do not do that you are part of the problem if you don't have the guts If you don't have the courage to go ahead and say something when these police officers are acting like domestic terrorists, then you are part of the problem. I don't give a damn how much you care about the community. I don't give a damn how much you do to the community or for the community. I don't care. If you remain in silence when your fellow officers are committing murder, then I don't want to hear it. I don't care. You are part of the problem. You have blood on your hands also. So at the scene, the officers turned off the body cameras for seven minutes. The Clark County coroners ruled William's death as a homicide as a result of death intoxication with other factors contributing to his death, including uh, prone resistance. But the LVMPD has since changed his policy, saying officers will not restrain subjects who are under control in a manner that compromises their ability to breathe. They now must Uh, They must now keep their body cameras operating until they clear the scene. Of course, again, the murderers or the officers involved in this case have been disciplined, but uh, Las Vegas Metro Police Department hasn't released more details. So um, it's nice to know that out here on the streets, there is a bunch of police officers who are killing people and getting away with it. Wonderful. At least some are, right? At least some are. So another situation Another fact, all of the men have been reinstalled as patrol officers. So you have people out here who are committing murder, walking around as domestic terrorists, a.k.a. police officers. So how how does that make you feel next time you get pulled over? How does that make you feel when you're driving and you see a police officer behind you if you're a man of color? How does that make you feel? Doesn't make me feel any good. Doesn't make me feel real good at all. Another situation, May 17th or May of 2017, Tashi Farmer Brown, ran from the LVMPD officers through the Venetian and out the back uh, near the parking garage. He had been diagnosed with manic depression and may have been having an episode. Officers or the murderers caught him, tased him seven times, punched him in the face, and put him in an unapproved chokehold for more than a minute. Farmer Brown went unconscious, and died less than an hour later. The coroner said he died of an enlarged heart and asphyxiation. The LMP, the uh, LVMPD, recommended a charge of manslaughter against officers, uh, Officer Kenneth Lopera. But the Clark County grand jury failed to indict, and no charges were ever brought. The LVMPD doesn't believe Farmer Brown broke any any laws. So again, despite no criminal charges, the family of Farmer Brown received $3.7 million from the LVMPD in two settlements. So, uh, you know, there there's two examples, again, where it's a situation where it's like, look, man, you know, another example. And, and some people don't get it. Some people just don't understand. And um, I hate to say this, and I'm always going to say this, and if the truth hurts, say, hey, man, so be it. Sorry about this, but uh, until police officers... Start killing white folks, and I'm not just talking about poor white trash. I'm not talking about uh, white folks in Appalachia or white folks who uh, really don't have anything. When 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 white when police officers, white police officers, start killing um, white folks from the upper middle class areas. In the Summerlands of the world, in the Southern Highlands of the world, in the Beverly Hills of the world, in the, uh, uh, in, in the more well to do places in the world, when they start killing your white kids and when they start killing, uh, white men at the same rate that they're killing black men, then something will be done. And I'm, once again, if they start killing poor white guys or poor women, Poor white trash, meth heads, all these type of things, all these stereotypes of what a less than suitable white person should be. Nothing's going to be done nothing's going to be done because you can always again have these excuses well he was poor well he was living in a bad area well he was living in an area where he was selling meth and then there was some rumors going around that he was dealing in this and he was dealing in that and you know he had these problems and he had these marital problems and he was divorced and his kids didn't live with him and his kids were bad news and all of these excuses that you can put on folks of color and, and, and and poor folks for the police to go ahead and, and, and do what they want to do, a.k.a. kill people. But, in, but, but, but if you start killing the uh, sons of doctors and lawyers and CEOs and families who are making six figures and you're killing them in quote-unquote safe areas... Or if you go outside of the Las Vegas area and you go to the more rural areas, you head up I-15 and you keep going up there between the leaving the vicinity of Las Vegas and probably getting near, oh, I don't know, even past Idaho. It, it, when, when you start killing the white folks going up through those communities... Uh, with the exception of Salt Lake City, when you start killing white folks from those communities, then all of a sudden, those folks who are mainly Republicans who sit there and talk about, oh, well, hey, you know, I don't understand. You know, these black people or, you know, these folks in those communities, they had it coming or they should have done this or they shouldn't resist it or they shouldn't have been living in this area or they should have just complied or I can't believe they would do something like this or hey, we know the police out here. They would never do anything like that to us. So I don't understand. How that can happen, or it's just a few bad apples and there's just no big deal, or somehow, some way they had it coming to them. Until those same things that happen to black folks and poor folks start happening to white middle class folks in predominantly white areas, Republican uh, areas, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. There's not going to be any police reform. There's not going to be any type of uh, 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 rules and regulations put in place for something like this to happen again. The This is going to be a situation where, hey man, unfortunately for the cops, these people got caught doing what they were doing. But I'm quite sure in poor communities all throughout this community, these things happen all the time. And I don't give a damn if the cops are white, I don't give a damn if the cops are black, I don't give a damn if the cops in a black community or from this community, I don't give a damn if they were Hispanic, I don't give a damn, I don't give a damn about their skin color, I don't give a damn about their uh, gender, I don't give a damn about their political beliefs, I don't give a damn about any of that nonsense. You murder somebody, you murder somebody the way that these five thugs murdered somebody, put your ass in jail for life. Put these motherfuckers in general population and say bitch, good luck to you. That's what should be happening to these guys. Again, I don't give a damn what skin color, the gender, where they're from, their nationality, I don't give I don't care. I don't care. Unfortunately, in the system that we have right now, is a situation where it is going to play out that way. And I don't care if a black officer is going to be taking some white kid and beating the living shit out of him and killing him when he doesn't uh, do anything when he doesn't deserve it I don't care put those guys underneath the fucking jail anybody who is murdered by these domestic terrorists and again these guys I'm not defining by skin color race anything like that a domestic terrorist is a domestic terrorist white, black, Asian, Hispanic Arab, Jew uh, atheist doesn't matter doesn't matter, so that's my thoughts and feelings about that, so man, it's just another sad situation, um, I'm quite sure that we got probably, I don't know, maybe a couple of more days, I'm recording this on a uh, Tuesday afternoon, so I'm quite sure we have a couple of more days of this kind of discussion And then uh, it'll go away because uh, Ron DeSantis, this piece of shit, will probably do something racist. Uh, Donald Trump will probably say something stupid. Uh, Joe Biden will probably do something that's kind of going to make us go, huh? And the world will go, well, George Santos is probably going to do something again that's going to make us just say, how is this piece of shit still in office? Kevin McCarthy is going to show us what a complete bitch and what a complete coward and what a complete spineless bitch that he is by letting these fucking jackasses in Congress run all over him from his own party so there there'll be a lot of other things to talk about. CNN and then MSNBC can go 24/7 talking about Trump 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 DeSantis and uh and uh, Santos and um, Fox can do whatever they want to do. Fuck those guys. But uh it's going to be you know a situation where the um situation in Memphis will you know play itself out. Uh, pretty quickly in terms of the impact, in terms of real discussion of what's going to be happening about police reform. I said police reform. I didn't say take the guns away from the police, you sorry pieces of shit, motherfuckers. I didn't say anything like that. I'm talking about police reform, 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 and have some real things in place. So when a police officer commits a murder, treat him the same way as if a civilian murdered a policeman. So those things should go hand in hand. So that's about what I'm done with with that. So uh got that off my chest. want to thank you so much. Now, let's go ahead and start talking about some football. Let's go ahead and start talking about some sports. Let's go ahead and start talking about what's happening in the world of sports.
1: That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the bees. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the bees. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the
2: Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast. I want to thank you so much. Anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, Amazon. As always, do me a favor if you're enjoying what you're listening to, if you enjoy the program, please go ahead and download, subscribe. Uh, follow, rate, review, do what you need to do to make this podcast grow and grow and grow. Most importantly, enjoy the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. If you could do that for me, man, I would very much, very much appreciate it. And this week, I'm coming back with Wendell's World of Sports, the YouTube version, speaking about what is going on. I'm also on StreamYard. Somehow, some way. I'm actually doing interviews on StreamYard, having guests, and we're speaking about what's going on in the world of sports, so you're not hearing me go on and on and on. So somehow, some way, I am going to uh, get some of the better interviews that I'm going to do and put them... In this program also. So just in case you're not listening or watching me on StreamYard, why aren't you biatches? But I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, put some of those interviews on uh, my program right here, Wendell's World in Sports. So um, just some things, just a little twist in the situation. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. All right, man. We've got the Super Bowl. Super Bowl is in 2 weeks. One more game and then the NFL season is officially over. And no, I'm not going to include the flag football game. Did you hear about Todd Hundley being a, a Super Bowl participant because I don't know every other every other quarterback in the NFL was like, "No, I'll pass." Uh, So you got uh, Trevor Lawrence, you got Todd Hundley, and you got Derek Carr. Derek Carr, who was benched by the Las Vegas Raiders and will be looking for a new home next year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who deserves it, and Todd Hundley filling in for Lamar Jackson. Didn't even play, barely played a third of the game, through two touchdown passes, and he is now a Pro Bowl starting quarterback. Uh Uh-huh. Because Josh Allen ain't playing. Joe Burrow ain't playing. Of course, Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. So, in a situation where it's kind of like, even with flag football, it's like, nah, I'll pass. So, you had to go to uh, Todd Hundley. And yet, despite this, despite the flag football, despite all of the, you know... Hullabaloo and all of this other, you know, stuff that's happening as far as non-football is related with the NFL uh, Pro Bowl, where it's not going to be an actual game; it's going to be flag football. I'm quite sure the ratings for this event is going to crush anything that the NFL, excuse me, that the NBA or uh, Major League Baseball event was playing, or the NHL could. There, there, there's nothing that those three sports leagues could concoct. To even come close in the ratings of viewers watching a flag football performance with Todd Hundley, Derek Carr, and Trevor Lawrence at the quarterback quarterbacks for the AFC there's not an NBA game I don't care you could put Steph versus LeBron you could put Jokic versus Luka you could put Zion versus whoever I don't care there is no game out there you could put on the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics you could put on the Celtics and the Lakers you could there is no game out there that would even come close to uh, the NFL Pro Bowl which is the reason why the NFL can basically do whatever they want to do, piss off as many people that they want to piss off, bad, have bad refereeing as much as they can have bad refereeing and say, what are you going to do, bitches? You're going to turn off the bu- gonna to- You're bad at us? You're angry at us. You think that the referees gypped us. You're upset because we don't hire black folks for head coaches or um, general managers and we don't have any owners. You're getting mad because we we threw Colin Kaepernick out of the league for standing up for his First Amendment rights. You're all upset about that? Fine. Don't watch. Try not to watch. Oh, but I know where you're going to be when the Pro Bowl is on, bitches. You're going to be watching our products. So, yeah, Kaepernick... Get lost! Yeah, another black man who's uh, qualified not getting a job. Tough titties. So, <laughs> so there you go, man. That's the NFL. The NFL can basically do what you want. Oh, uh, Cincinnati, you guys are upset because you feel like that you got cheated on the uh, no call with the um, kickoff return late in the game, and that third and nine for Kansas City that was uh, that was that was uh, called twice, or that got to run third and nine twice. Oh, you're upset about that officiating? Tough luck. What are you going to do? Stop watching us? So there you go. So that is that is the NFL in a nutshell. But, um, you know, we'll get into some news. I know that Sean Payton is going to be the new uh, coach for the Denver Broncos. Saw that today at work. How about that? Huh? Everybody thought it was going to be one of the L.A. teams. Everybody thought that possibility, the possibility of Sean McVay retiring. And that um, Payton, who does the uh, Fox show out there in L.A., was really enjoying the uh, L.A. lifestyle would then take advantage of uh, coaching either the Los Angeles Rams or the Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, the Chargers are a talented team with a potential franchise, generational great quarterback, so many people thought that somehow, someway Sean Payton was going to angle to uh, get that Chargers job, especially after the Chargers lost that uh, big lead against the um, Jacksonville Jaguars, but for for now, Brandon Staley is staying, and reports are that Sean Payton is going to try to rescue the last remaining years for Russell Wilson and become the new coach for the Denver Broncos. Uh, DeMarco Ryan. How about this? The Houston Texans. You got to give them some credit and you also got to be scratching your head and you also have to be thinking about DeMarco Ryan that's going, man, you sure you want to take this job? Six year deal with the Houston Texans. Texans are probably going to have the first choice to draft quarterback uh, Bryant Young or uh, Bryce Young from uh, Alabama. Still question marks about him being a franchise quarterback. I don't know in the NFL, but uh, at least they're going to be in position to try to get themselves a franchise quarterback. But how about the Houston Texans? They go through David Cutley and Woody uh, and Black Santa Claus, Lovie Smith. First year, one uh, one year they gave those guys before they fired them. Both of them being black, and they hired DeMarco uh, Ryan. But I think DeMarco is going to do a better job than Cully or Lovey Smith. He gets a six-year deal. So this is the third coach in three years for Houston. So I don't think they'll be as quick to pull the trigger if the Texans uh, stumble and fumble and bumble and mumble and grumble next season uh, in play. And plus, DeMarco Ryan was a linebacker for the Texans for that franchise. So I think that will also buy us some more time than, say, Lovey Smith or David uh, Culley when it comes to the uh, new coach, the new coaching position that he has with the Houston Texans. So we'll get into all of those things. We will be talking about all of those things show enough. Wendell's World in Sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. All right. Oh, yeah. Kellen Moore got fired from the uh, Cowboys and got picked up by the Chargers. Yay. And Aaron Rodgers is talking about being traded. Plenty of time to speak about that. I want to get to these championship games. Now, I'm going to save the best for last when we're speaking about these championship games. So first, let me go ahead and run through the NFC championship game. I was sleeping by the end of the first half. The game was over. Philadelphia dominates San Francisco 31-7. Jalen Hurts had a decent performance, really didn't need to do too much, completing 15 of 25 passes for 121 yards. He also ran for 39 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, great Scott, Boston Scott combined for three touchdowns. Defense was outstanding. Of course, when you're playing against a team with no quarterback, of course, your defense better be outstanding. But they had three sacks, five tackles, four losses, seven quarterback hits, limited the 49ers to just 164 yards, which, again, they should have because San Francisco, after Brock Purdy got injured, was playing without a quarterback for the most part. Hassan Redick, Hassan Redick. Had two sacks. Also had a brilliant afternoon. I don't even know. I mean, what, what would you say the turning point? I mean, <laughs> once Brock Purdy went down, I mean, man, who, who would have thought that one team would put put uh, so much stock in a seventh round draft pick who was a rookie who was playing well for his status, but but Brock Purdy. Wasn't responsible for winning football games. I mean, you know, this was a response. This was a situation where Brock Purdy, Barack Purdy, as uh, Paul Heyman would say, not a situation where he was being asked to win football games to throw the football all over the yard. This was a situation where it was a complete team victory for San Francisco, going on those twelve, you know, uh, registering twelve. Uh, wins in a row it was the defense it was the running game it was a little bit of purdy but it was a lot of the defense in the running game but man once purdy went down once purdy went down it was like screw it we're screwed so i don't know man you could be speaking about the quote unquote turning point of the game that lost all interest and it possibly even being competitive was after Philadelphia went down, scored a touchdown, 14 plays, 75 yard drive that took almost seven minutes, made it 14 to seven. Then with a minute and 11 left after a successful first down completion, Johnson uh, was name? John Johnson, Justin Johnson, JJ, Jimmy Walker, dynamite, whatever fumbles and Philadelphia recovered at the 30 yard line face mask call. That erased a loss on the play for Philadelphia, turned into an excellent uh, um, situation inside the red zone the Eagles score on a 10-yard run to make it 21-7, to and you knew right there that all was lost. You knew right there it was time to go ahead and do something else. You knew right there that uh, it was time to do some honey-do lists. You knew right there it was time to play with your kids. You knew right there it was time to do your homework and get some work done. You knew right there it was time to do some shopping. You knew right there it was time to do something else because this game was over. San Francisco had no chance. And when I say no chance... I'm talking about no chance. They came into the game, as I mentioned before, with a seventh-round draft pick and then played a fourth-string quarterback after Purdy got injured. That They say that injury is going to take him like... That, that's like a six-month injury. So, damn, man, what's up with these quarterbacks for San Francisco? Trey Lance breaks his ankle. Um, Garoppolo keeps getting injured when he's playing with San Francisco. I mean, there's nothing catastrophic, but, I mean, his... Uh, injury was season-ending, and then you have this injury that happened to uh, Brock Purdy in all different situations. For Purdy, he was, he was hit in the pocket while trying to throw a pass, trying to be the traditional uh, quarterback. For Trey Lance, trying to uh, run the football, was caught, which caused him to uh, break his leg, and then Garoppolo, or break his ankle, then Garoppolo gets injured. So, I don't know, man. There, there's no rhyme or reason. I don't think that there's one thing going on with Kyle Shanahan in his offense to where quarterbacks are getting hurt that uh, he can change. So it's just it's just something else, man. So you combine the injuries at the quarterback position. Johnson gets a uh, concussion. So you combine all of these mishaps and misfortunes with the quarterback for the 49ers and then San Francisco committing some questionable penit- penalties and then realizing at least especially most importantly on defense that they had no chance. It made for a long day at the office, my man. And man, must low, that must be a that must be a sick feeling when you're making it to the championship game. And it's like, you have the defense that can keep you in this game against the Eagles. But knowing that this game by the, by probably the middle of the second quarter was officially unofficially over. Man, that's tough. That's tough, man. So as I mentioned before, the season of what-ifs for San Francisco. Trey Lance breaks his ankle in Week 2. They go 3-4 and through Week 7. They go ahead and trade for Kristen McCaffrey, who becomes the most valuable player on the offense. Jimmy G breaks his foot in Week 13. And then Brock Purdy takes over and then blows out his elbow in the championship game after winning 12 straight. Wonderful! Wonderful for San Francisco. So going into next season, the question marks are still going to abound. They're going to have to replace their defensive coordinator, and then who's going to be starting for them at quarterback. And can they afford to have someone? Because if you really think about it, the lack of experience of of, of Trey Lance, I I didn't know, even if he wasn't going to get hurt, I I don't know what kind of quarterback he was going to be. I don't know if eventually he was going to uh, go, uh, that Kyle Shanahan was going to make, pull the trigger and maybe go with a uh, go with a Jimmy Garoppolo if Lance was going to continue to struggle like he did in the preseason and the uh, first game of the season. So, it's a situation now that you you're, you're going to go back into training camp and you were hoping to have some type of competition between uh, Purdy and uh, Trey Lance, but now I mean you you have to take a look and say, well, exactly what we're doing because now it's going to be what 3 years since Trey Lance had any type of competitive, consistent competitive action, he didn't play his last season in college. He sat out his first year with the uh, 49ers, and then his second season, he breaks his ankle. So again, it's been three years that he's had any type of consistent playing. So, so what type of player is he going to be? Again, coming off a season-ending ankle injury, what does that mean? Where are we going? What are we talking about? If you're Kyle Shanahan, What direction are you going with in terms of, okay, I put a lot of faith, I put a lot of uh, equity into Trey Lance. I can't give up on the guy already. I don't even know what he can do, especially when I don't have a clear option A. You know, This is not like Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers where uh, Love was eventually going to replace Rodgers, except Rodgers decided to go out and have two consecutive MVP seasons, which put that on hold. So, going into the next season, San Francisco, who still have the talent around them to, you know, be playoff contenders and Super Bowl contenders, except what are you going to do at the quarterback position? It'll be interesting for the 49ers moving forward. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, in the uh, NFC Championship game, Philadelphia dominates they were dominant throughout the playoffs, squashing the New York Giants, beating up on the San Francisco 49ers. So let me ask you a question, man. Sanford, um, uh, the New, the uh, um, Philadelphia Eagles going into the Super Bowl. What do we know about them? What should we say about them? They're awesome. They're great. They're this, they're that. Okay, that's that's true. Again, they beat their, their playoff uh, opponents by 51 points. In the playoffs But then again take a look at their opponents This, um, this, uh, this, this Playoff uh, run The overachieving but over their heads New York Giants And the quarterback less San Francisco 49ers Both of those games being played at home Both of those games Decided by halftime But yet and still Philadelphia Not really putting the foot down And finishing the job Finish him Shall we say it was just a nice little, you know, you had the guy, you were beating the guy up. It's like a boxing match where you had the ability to knock him out if you wanted to for, you know, after three or four rounds. But you decided, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and we're just going to win a comfortable decision. And we're going to keep our belts and we're just going to go 12 rounds. Okay, that's nice. But hmm, you should have knocked the guy out because he was looking. He was wanting. He was waiting. You had the ability to knock him out. So exactly what's up with that? So it's it's a situation where look, you know the Philadelphia Eagles the most I think they're the most complete team in football when you take a look at all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special team. I think they have the most complete team in the league. I think they have the best combination of offensive and defensive line in the in in the game when you speak about they held or they um They had a record, they set a record for most touchdown rushes in the season with 39. Finished third overall in total offense, averaging 390 yards per per game, only behind Kansas City and Buffalo. They were second in the league overall in defense behind San Francisco. All all of these things, are true blue, man. All of these things, you cannot lie. All of these things, you know what I'm talking about. But, man, these guys should be favorites going into the Super Bowl, but why are they not why why are they not bigger favorites? I don't I don't know what the line is in Vegas, but I, I would think that the Eagles would be solid favorites in this game. Now you, you can speak about Patrick Mahomes this in Kansas City and the pedigree and the experience and all those type of things. In the two weeks off for those guys to uh, feel better and get better, Patrick Mahomes ain't going to get back to where he was before he got injured against Jacksonville. That Patrick Mahomes, even in the Super Bowl, even with two weeks off, that Patrick Mahomes is not coming back. Uh, that, that that offensive line for Kansas City facing the Eagles pass rush, pass rush against a less than eighty percent Patrick Mahomes and a running game for Kansas City that showed nothing against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, with three of the um, wide receivers, the top three wide receivers for Kansas City um, not being, you know, not not being there, not being willing and able for the um, large majority of the game because of the itchy owies and the hurdy wordies. I mean, what are we doing here? Shouldn't Philadelphia be a much bigger favorite? Shouldn't Philadelphia be a prohibitive favorite? What does it come down to? Does it come down to quarterback play? Does it come down to the fact that you're still not a believer in Jalen Hurts all the way? That yes, you think that he has, I mean, great story, awesome story, wonderful story, got his team in the quarterback, got his team at the quarterback into the uh, Super Bowl. But is he still just a product of that system? because you're still not going to put him up there with the elites of the elites, even though that he was in the running for the MVP, even though that he was one of the leaders, if not at one time, the leader, to win the MVP, you're still not going to put him up there with Patrick Mahomes. You're still not going to put him up there with Joe Burrow. You're still not going to put him up there with Josh Allen. You're still not going to put him up there with Justin Herbert. You're still not going to do that. Jalen Hurts best quarterback in the NFC maybe someone better off the top of my head is he better than uh, Kurt Cousins is he better than Aaron Rodgers who is he I mean this season he has shown that he's that guy but are you still a believer in this guy are you still waiting for Jalen Hurts to be that second round pick from Alabama who wasn't expected to be this good because again Kansas City's defense, a lot of rookies, pretty decent defensive line. But this would be a situation where, on offense, in terms of being able to score, being able to move the ball, being able to control the clock, the Eagles should have that advantage. So, what are we saying about the Philadelphia Eagles? Where are we going with the Philadelphia Eagles? What are we looking at with the Philadelphia Eagles? It'll be interesting. They don't. They don't have that 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 standout guy, you know. They do Okay, Hurts is an MVP candidate, but they don't have that. We I mean, they don't have that super duper star. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they they don't have that 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 top top guy that everybody knows. They don't have that face of the franchise that could be a face of the league type of guy. They have guys who just from top to bottom are really really good players, and the best players that they have are on the offensive and defensive line two positions or or two parts of a football team that is really not going to get a lot of pub. It is really not going to uh, stand out in terms of the layman who watches NFL football. We know a good quarterback when we see one. We could take a look at the stats. We could take a look at the highlights and determine whether this guy is a good quarterback or not from a layman's perspective. But from an offensive line perspective, how good do we know? uh, how, How are we going to uh, really understand how good or how great Jason Kelsey is. How are we going to know that? Hassan Radek and stuff. We could take a look at his quarterback pressures. We could take a look at his uh sacks and those type of things. But still, I mean this is not a situation where he's that standout, unbelievable guy to the multitude of fans who are watching NFL football. So it's kind of like the Eagles are a team full of really, really, really good players. Again, with their best Players being in a playing a position that we don't know too much about. So it'll be interesting going into the Super Bowl what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do in terms of solidifying themselves as a team. That we we we've, we've already seen that with Kansas City, right? We've already seen that with now um, Cincinnati. It was supposed to be Buffalo, a team that year in and year out because of the quarterback, because of the system, because of the players, because of the talent, year after year after year. They were going to be in it to win it, as far as Super Bowls are concerned. The window for Joe Burrow is going to be wide open as long as Joe Burrow is the quarterback. You don't you don't recognize? You don't believe me? Ask him. He'll tell you. I mean, you take a look at Buffalo. Josh Allen, franchise quarterback, elite quarterback. Buffalo is going to be set up to uh, be um, favored or have expectations to win division, conferences, and uh, and conferences and Super Bowls. For the next couple of years. What about Philadelphia? In a weakened NFC. Where you don't have a Cincinnati. Where you don't have a Buffalo. Where you don't have a Kansas City. Where your competition is what? Uh, Minnesota? Uh, Tampa Bay? Uh, who, Who else is in there? Dallas? Uh, you know, none of what you're speaking about the Eagles, they're not facing the same type of talent in terms of getting to that Super Bowl that the Kansas City football team did. So is that playing a role in terms of Philadelphia not being thought of, thought of as more dominant? We'll see. We'll see what the Super Bowl happening. But uh, congratulations to the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl again. The last time they were there, Nick Foles and Doug Peterson uh, pulled off a game of games by upsetting Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I think we both teams combined to uh, have 3,000 total yards of offense. Not a good day for the defensive coordinators for each team. So um, the Eagles are back in the Super Bowl. They should be favorites. And uh, yeah, fly, Eagles, fly. Fly, Eagles, fly to the Super Bowl. Wendell's World and Sports. I know
1: Man. I can't afford to stop. I
2: was alive at the sky, though. I was.
0: Came with the same type game, the type of girl giving out the fake Self on the name. Big fame big she like catch a big thing, jewel shit, money clip, phone flip. Six range has seen her on the ass Spotted her more than once Ass so fat That you can see her From the front She spot me like paparazzi Shot me a glance And that cat woman Stands with the fat woody pants Hot damn What's your name love Where you came from Neck and wrist Laced up Very little makeup The swims at the Reebok Gym tone Your frame up a sugar and spice The only thing That you made up I tried to play A low key But couldn't keep it down. Accident dance she was like Yo I'm leaving now An hour later
2: up. In the way, so. C-2> C-2> Wendell's World of Sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace So glad that you could be with us Recording this on a Tuesday evening I'm watching the Nuggets and the uh, New Orleans Pelicans Minus uh, Zion playing um, recording this. I uh, wanted to watch a little bit of the Lakers, but I fell asleep at the end of the uh, first quarter. LeBron on his journey of passing Wilt to become, oh, excuse me, a Kareem uh, to become the all-time leading scorer in the uh, in NBA history. I wanted to maybe watch the fourth quarter. I'll watch the uh, replay a lot. Uh, TNT's going to show the replay, hopefully, of the early game, which is the Lakers and the Knicks. So I'll have an opportunity to uh, fall asleep watching that game. But um, one of the reasons why I didn't watch it, I am I I have a, a, an Oculus. I got an Oculus a couple of weeks ago. Visual virtual reality, and man, that bad boy has changed my life. That thing is awesome, 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 awesome. You know, you reach a certain age, you think where your gaming days are over. I mean, I had the Atari, and I played in television, and. All of those things show you how old I am, right? But I had the, uh, never had the PlayStation, but I had the um, Xbox. So I, you know, up to about my uh, early 30s, you know, playing Madden and all those things. But then I decided, you know what, it's time for me to move on to something else. And for those who are still playing those games, hey, man, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying for me, you know, I just wanted to go ahead and do something else. So I kind of put the um, Xbox and everything to the side. So, um, really didn't think about it, you know, but I play my games, I play my you know, lumosity games and I play my games to, uh, try to keep my brain as sharp as it can, even though it's just dull to the point, uh, just naturally for me with some of the shit I say and do. But, um, you know, it's a situation where I wanted to get back in shape. And so, um, you know, I heard about the Oculus and I heard about some of the, um, the aerobics, uh the games that really get your heart rate going. So I got Thrill of the Fight. It's a boxing game. And man, that thing is so fucking awesome. That thing is so awesome. And uh I'm loving it. I'm playing it almost every day in terms of uh trying to get in better shape. I mean it's not a game that you play where it's kinda like, ooh, let's go ahead and have some fun. I mean that shit when I'm done with that stuff, man, it's I'm I'm sweating. I am sweating, so I'm still in uh, sparring mode, finally got to three rounds, I can finally do three rounds without um, my heart exploding, that's how out of shape I'm in, I'm, I'm in. but uh, yeah, before I go back to LVAC and, you know, start doing body pumping and all those type of things, man, yeah, the um, the um, thrill of the fight is going to be my jam, trying to get some of this fat off of my fat ass, Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad That you could be with us. All right, man, let's go ahead and talk about the game of the weekend. You could even maybe say, I know Jacksonville and San Diego put on a hell of a game. And I know uh, off the top of my head, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is Jacksonville and and the uh, Los Angeles Chargers when you're thinking about a hell of a game because of the comeback and stuff, man. But this game between Cincinnati and... Kansas City for the AFC Championship. That was a hell of a game, man. That was a hell of a game. The legend of Patrick Mahomes grows. It just keeps on growing. Um, Harrison Buckner made a 45-yard field goal attempt with about three seconds to go. Uh, Kansas City won 23-20. It's Kansas City's third Super Bowl appearance in four seasons. It'll be interesting, as I mentioned before, Patrick Mahomes against Cincinnati with basically on a lake and a half with no receivers, no running game, and an offensive line that was uh, being pushed by Cincinnati. They, They held up, but still it was a situation where, you know, Mahomes had to maneuver and groove her and do all those type of things. 29 of 43, 326 yards, two touchdowns. Mahomes completed one or two passes for six yards on the drive. And then Legend scrambled for a nine-yard leading to the field goal, of course, aided by the roughing the, uh, roughing the uh, quarterback penalty. It, it's interesting because aside, I think that the guy who uh, pushed him out of bounds when he was already out of bounds, if, if he wouldn't have pushed him, I think if he would have just ran into him, I don't I don't think, I don't know if there was going to be a call for pass interference, or excuse me, for um, roughing the passer. But when he extended his arms and shoved them, and he was already out of bounds, it was like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah that's, you got to call that. You got to get that done, which put them into field goal range for the uh, game-winning uh, field goal. But Patrick Mahomes is something else, man. Not only was the man, again, playing with a high ankle sprain, but the... Obstacles that he had to overcome. The offensive line, again, held up pretty decently, but still didn't give, really didn't give him a lot of uh, uh, stationary room or a lot of time to look down the field and such. They didn't get much from the running game. The team ran for a total of 42 yards on 20 carries, the longest run being six yards. Isaiah Pacheco, not Ferdy Pacheco, the fight doctor, but Isaiah Pacheco, no relation, rushed for 26 yards on 10 carries. Um he, uh, Mahomes were being pressured most of the game. During the game, they lost three of their top receivers and Kadarius Toney, McCole Hardman, and Juju Smith Schuster. So what happened? The go-to target of the night was Marquez Valdez Skatling, who caught six of his eight targets for a team I 116 yards and a touchdown. Travis Travis Kelsey, bad back and all, had seven catches for 78 yards and a score. So, yeah, man, th- this game was just was just interesting from the get-go. You know, when, when, you, when you speak about it, when you take a look at it, man, Kansas City was really dominant in the uh, first quarter and in the first quarter and a half of this game. Held the Bengals to zero total yards on offense in the first quarter while Kansas City was moving the ball up and down the field, but they were settling for field goals. And they weren't scoring touchdowns. The first two drives of the game, again, Kansas City it resulted in points, but field goals and not touchdowns, which kept Cincinnati in the game because you knew eventually they were going to get their mojo going. You knew that eventually they were going to get their game going. You knew eventually that Burrow and Chase and Higgins and those guys would eventually get going. And, you know, when you have a team in Kansas City that was dominating as much as they were in the uh, first quarter or so, and you're only a touchdown behind or you're only a touchdown away from going up. I mean, that's a situation where it could be rather deflating for those guys when you take a look at it because you take a look at the scoreboard and say, wait a minute, you know, if we didn't know any better, I could have swore that we were the team in charge, that we were the ones doing things, that we were the one that should be way ahead. But then it could be a situation where you look up and you say, well, damn, how is it that Cincinnati either has to lead seven to six or it's closer than it should be? Especially the way that we've been playing. We can't expect to hold down Joe Burrow. We can't expect to hold down Jamar Chase. We can't expect to hold down T. Higgins. We can't expect to hold down Joe Mixon. We can't expect to hold down uh, these guys for any long period of time. So it was a situation where, yeah, you know, the, um, the, the 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 Kansas City football team was doing some work, but you take a look, it was like, man, Kansas, uh, Cincinnati is still right there. Warning signs, though, early. Warning signs, we just took a look at Cincinnati because that offensive line was starting to get beat up and get beat up early. So it was a situation where it was kind of like, uh-oh, the game that they had against Buffalo where the offensive line just dominated – The uh, Bills defense, I mean, it was a situation where it was kind of like, wait a minute now. Is Burrow going to be having one of these flashbacks to uh, last season where he's being pressured? Well, all of a sudden now the passing game is going to be hampered. The running game is going to be hampered because, bam, you know, the, the, the offensive line is not giving Joe Burrow time to maneuver and time to do some things. So that was one of a, of a situations where it was kind of like this could come back to be a real problem for Cincinnati if they don't get those things getting uh, straight straightened out. Which was the uh, Cincinnati offensive line going up against that Kansas City pass rush. All the while, again, um, Kansas City moving the ball up and down the field, jumping out to a 13 to six lead, 14 yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey late in the second quarter on a fourth down. It was a back and forth game, man. It was a back and forth game. Many times I thought it was a situation where you would say, when is my home's going to crack? When is my home's going to fall? When is my home's going to give into the situation? When is Cincinnati going to take advantage of the fact that they don't have a running game? Speaking of Kansas City, they don't have a running game. Um, their wide receivers are out in terms of their top wide receivers. When is Cincinnati going to do something to really take advantage of the situation? And, we speak about that team effort for Kansas City. They couldn't get it done. They didn't get it done. So Kansas City is going to the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes, the legend grows, man. Um, Burrowhead, huh? Isn't it interesting? I think it, it, it's a situation where everybody is trying to uh, get with in terms of who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be that guy that's going to challenge Mahomes in terms of being the best quarterback in the NFL. And we go through a lot of discussion. We go through a lot of talk about that, don't we? When we speak about that. It's almost like we're looking, and we're searching, and we're trying, and we want to find somebody. You know, it's almost like the LeBron James situation. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is at that point yet in terms of the admiration turning to hatred is not the word, but maybe dislike, maybe not getting the... Um, maybe not respect, but maybe not getting the admiration that he deserves. I mean, LeBron's about ready to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to become the all-time scorer in NBA history, and he's one of the top all-time assist leaders in the NBA. And what's the first thing that the haters say about LeBron James? Well, he didn't win Jordan this and Jordan that and all that bullshit, right? Mahomes hasn't reached that point yet. Mahomes is still far and away the best quarterback, maybe the best player in the game and yet and still you have some, some pretenders wanting to get there, but still it's acknowledged that Mahomes is still the man. When, when is, I don't want to use the term jealousy or boredom, but when is it going to happen for Mahomes where all of a sudden now we're going to be rooting for a quarterback, we're going to be rooting for a competitor, we're going to be rooting for rooting for somebody <clears throat> to challenge the king, to challenge the champion. In terms of being the best quarterback and one of the most impactful players in the NFL. Because that's exactly what Patrick Mahomes is. No other quarterback in the NFL could have done what Patrick Mahomes did on Sunday. No NFL quarterback could have played as well. No quarterback in, in in the NFL today could have done what Patrick Mahomes did with the limitations that he had, not only to himself, but also to the team around him and the team that they were bl- playing. Joe Burrow can't do it. Josh Allen can't do it. Justin Herbert can't do it. Jalen Hurts can't do it. Lamar Jackson can't do it. Those guys can't do it. Only Patrick Mahomes on one leg without his top three receivers, a banged-up offensive line, and no running game against a team in Cincinnati that dominated the Buffalo Bills the week before on the road could have done what he did in the NFL. When are we going to find someone of that ilk? When are we going to find someone to challenge somebody like that? And how good could that rivalry be? Because right now, we get this so-called rivalry between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, and there is no rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Josh and, um... And Joe Burrow, because Patrick Mahomes is clearly the better quarterback. Now, if you want to make the argument that we have a new rival between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City football team, okay, I'll buy that. But man, when you're speaking about rivals for Patrick Mahomes in terms of being the best quarterback in the league, keep Joe Burrow's name out your mouth. And this is no disrespect to Joe Burrow, who's a fabulous, fabulous football player. A top-tier, top-five quarterback without question. It just shows you the gap between Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And we thought going into this season that it was going to be the year that Josh Allen was going to be that guy. And the Buffalo Bills were going to be that team. They were the ones that were supposed to supplant the Kansas City football team and Josh Allen was the one who was going to make that claim to be either the best quarterback in the league or one of the best quarterbacks of the league with the definition being him and Patrick Mahomes on the same tier near the same tier right? It was a situation where, man, I can't believe it. Last season, all-time great playoff game between Kansas City and Buffalo. 13 seconds left. Patrick Mahomes does his thing. But, man, Josh Allen was standing there toe-to-toe with this guy. And if it wasn't for a, uh, uh, wasn't for the uh, uh, overtime situation where the rules need to be changed, then if the Buffalo Bills would have won that coin toss, it would have been Josh Allen taking his team down to uh, win that game. And, man, what would the narrative would have been if the Buffalo Bills would have beaten the Kansas City football team on that day. And Allen, then by virtue of that performance and by winning that game in overtime, if it was Josh Allen, then the narrative would have been that he either outplayed or played good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Going into the season, what would the, what would the narrative have been? Because even with that loss, people were speaking about it's the season for the Buffalo Bills. Even with that loss, the um, the conversation was, Josh Allen is going to be that guy. His size, his strength, his athleticism, just his, that and the other. Just as good as Mahomes. Maybe even better than Mahomes. If you were starting a, a, a team and you had to choose a quarterback, there were some folks out there that were saying Josh Allen over Mahomes. Look how that played out. And Josh Allen had a great year. Yeah, he threw the ball. He threw too many interceptions at the wrong period of time in the in the red zone and such. But overall, the Bills and Josh Allen, they had a they had a very strong year. But compared to Patrick Mahomes, compared to Kansas City, Buck still stops with uh Kansas City. I know that. The Bengals now are the team on the rise now going into next season, whether Kansas City wins the Super Bowl or not, you know what the narrative is going to be? Oh, Cincinnati's going to be that team now. Oh, Joe Burrow's going to be that guy now. What did they figure out though? What did they come away with after this close loss in the a f c championship game on the road against kansas city what 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 type of fuel to the fire to the fire? Is Joe Burrow going to have... It was essentially, this is the last team... This is the last... Next season is going to be the last Cincinnati team... That we'll see the way that it's construed right now. Because Joe Burrow is going to get a bank load of money. You still have to pay the Jamar Chase. What are you going to do about T. Higgins? And to some others. So this is a situation where this Cincinnati team... The way that it's constructed right now... Which is being one of the elite teams in the NFL... Next season is their last season, the way this team is constructed right now to win themselves a championship. They've already won that conference championship. Now the squad has to go ahead and finish the job and win that Super Bowl. That's going to be in the narrative coming in. And depending upon what happens in the Super Bowl between Philadelphia and Kansas City, The narrative is going to be the Bengals now are going to be that team. And Joe Burrow now is going to be that quarterback. Just like coming into this season, the Buffalo Bills are going to be that team. And Josh Allen is going to be that quarterback. Ooh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think of the Super Bowl, man. I think that um and you know, we'll have time to talk about it. I'm not gonna be getting into the X's and O's so much because I'm not an X's and O's type of guy, not an NFL football player, never been in a team meeting, don't wanna be in a team meeting and all that kind of stuff. But uh yeah, I just think that it's gonna be a situation where it's gonna be like doggone, man. The um Eagles are gonna put a lot of pressure on Mahomes and it's gonna look very similar. To what Mahomes went through a couple of seasons ago in the Super Bowl, where they had that offensive line get beat up, destroyed, pushed around, punked, and everything else that you can think of, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and had Patrick Mahomes on the run. I think it's going to be similar to a sort of situation this year with the way the Philadelphia Eagles and that defense can get to the quarterback and put some pressure on that quarterback, and what they compromised Patrick Mahomes that's going to spell a lot of trouble. But hey, man, you don't count out a champion. You don't count out a legend in the making. And, you know, with, with Mahomes, you're thinking to yourself, all right, Brady is, um, you know, when when you have this discussion, and again, everybody has their idea. Everybody has their own definition of what the greatest player or who the greatest player is. You know, there's 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 no one definitive definition when you sp- start speaking about that greatest football player of all time, right? You could say it's, you could say it's Jim Brown, you could say it's Walter Payton, you could say it's Jerry Rice, you could say it's Joe Montana, you could say it's Tom Brady, depending upon your definition and how you want that definition to fit. You can fit that argument into your definition. You can give me a player and say, make a case for him to be the greatest player of all time. You can give me Jim Brown. You can give me Tom Brady. You can give me Jerry Rice. You can give me Johnny Unitas. You can give me Peyton Manning. You can give me Emma Smith. You can give me Bruce Smith. You can give me, um, Mark, uh, you you can give me John Hanna. You can give me Art Shell. You can give me Don Hudson. You can give me any of these guys. And depending upon how I want to define what is an MVP, I can say, that's the reason why Don Hudson is the greatest football player of all time. That's the reason why Jim Brown is the greatest football player of all time. That's the reason why Johnny Unitas or Sammy Ball is the greatest player of all time. That's the reason why Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time. Patrick Mahomes is going to is going to have some it's going to bring in new layers and new angles of the definition. What is who is the greatest player of all time if he continues to play like he's playing now? When, when you speak about Brady. And you want to throw that greatest football player of all time. You speak about the motherfuckers won seven championships. He's been playing for over 20 years. He won a football. He won a Super Bowl at the age of, what, 43, 44, some nonsense like this. And in his 40s, he was regarded as one of the top quarterbacks of his day still at that age. No one has thrown for more yards. No one has won more games. No one has more Super Bowls. No one has done this, that, and the other than Tom Brady. That's a strong argument. For not only just the greatest quarterback of all time. But the greatest player of all time. Transcending. Legendary. One of the greatest players of any sport. You put him right there with Usain Bolt. You put him right there with Michael Jordan. You put him right there with the greatest of that generation. You put him right there with a Michael Phelps. You put him right there with a Serena Williams you put him right there with a LeBron James you put him right there with a Kobe Bryant that's a strong argument to make man with Tom Brady when you throw out those numbers those numbers combined with the accomplishments because it wasn't empty calories in terms of the yardage and all those type of things it was also the winning that went along with it but man the way Mahomes is going right now and look 27 years old and the way that these guys take care of themselves, the way that the league protects the quarterback, and the fact that he has an extra game to play each and every year, there's no reason why quarterbacks still can't be good, or still can't be top 10, or still can't be top 12 when they're 40, 41, or 42 years old. There's no reason that the next generation of quarterbacks following the lead of Tom Brady of how to take care of themselves, still can't be playing a high level of football in their late 30s and their early 40s. I mean, what? Aaron Rodgers is, what, 39 years old? I mean, his arm strength is still there. He, I know that he had a down season compared to the last two seasons in which he won the MVP. Oh, by the way, he won when he was, what, 37, 38 years old? Statistically, maybe had one of the uh, best uh, seasons of his career at that age. And no one is doubting the fact that he's fallen off a cliff in terms of his ability to play, reaching the age of 40. So, now there's so many things going on. And again, the way the the league protects the players, why can't Patrick Mahomes still be a top-five quarterback for the next 12 to 15 years? And if he is still a top quarterback, for the next 12 or 15 years, and the way that the game has been construed to really make it a passing type of league, even though you still need that balance, even though you still need that running game to be really efficient on offense, but but why can't Patrick Mahomes, the way that he's playing right now, if he can stay relatively injury-free, why can't he get near 85,000 yards, 90,000 yards? Why, why can't he get to... 600 touchdown passes. Why why can't he do that? And if that's going to be the case, the only thing it's going to come down to are Super Bowls. And right now, Brady has seven. Mahomes has one. So so when do we start counting? When do we start divvying up? When do we start saying, damn, man, that was a uh, missed opportunity for Mahomes to win a... uh," If we want to... And we want to have the argument of Mahomes being the greatest player of all time. He's got to get somewhere close to Brady, not just statistically, but also as far as championships is concerned. Brady won seven, went to 10 Super Bowls in his 20-something year career so far. We don't know if he's going to retire or not. First five seasons as a starter for the uh, Kansas City football team. Mahomes has now gone to three Super Bowls and has been in the conference championship each one of those years. Has yet to lose a conference championship game in regulation, right? All of that stuff. But when when, when do we start saying, all right, hey, you know what, Mahomes, you're, you're 32 and you only have three Super Bowls. You better hurry up because you still got four more to catch, uh, you still have four more to catch uh, Brady. And Herbert now is going to be the guy. Trevor Lawrence now is still is is, is is going to be the guy. We we don't know what quarterback is going to be coming out of the woodwork to be that guy. So it, it's going to be interesting, man, to see Mahomes and what he does in terms of uh, building that re- resume to be one of the greatest of all time. Put this in the put this performance in the memory bank for when we start speaking about the legend of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is something right up there with Jack Youngblood and Terrell Owens playing in the Super Bowl and having marvelous games with a broken leg. We're speaking about Emmitt Smith against the New York Giants when he separated his shoulder, fighting through the pain, tears fighting through the pain to still get the Cowboys into the uh, playoffs by, I think, having 168 yards on 27 carries or some nonsense like that. But uh, that was memorable. Kellen Winslow being helped off the field after the Chargers' victory over the Miami Dolphins, uh, one of the greatest playoff games that I've ever seen, uh, and one of the pl- greatest uh, football games that have been played. Patrick Mahomes' performance was right up there. Heroic, unbelievable. Now to cap things off, he just got to beat the best team in football. And if he can do that again, where does that lead him? Because you take a look at Brady... And you take a look at the championships he's won, except for the first one against the uh, St. Louis Rams, where they shocked the world, for the most part, in the games that Brady was Super Bowling in, New England had the better team. Brady never had to, um, was never an underdog. Again, with the exception of that first Super Bowl against the St. Louis Rams. And in that game, he was not impressive. That was a game that was won by that defense and Adam Vendantieri. Now, he played a role taking the team down to get into a position to win that football game on the uh, last drive of the game, but for the totality of that game, Brady, Brady was not yet Tom Brady. He still wasn't that guy. So if the Holmes can pull this off against the Eagles, not knowing fully how great the Eagles are, But what did that say about Mahomes? What did that say about the legend growing? What did that say about the resume building when you're speaking about him being one of the greatest football players of all time, building that resume? He's not there yet. No, he's not there yet, but Lord have mercy. Doesn't he have a lot of time to get there? Barring injury, barring tragedy, barring something unforeseen? He stays on the same trajectory. Isn't that going to be something to see the way this plays out? Sports, man, life, man, it's the best reality that you can think of, right? So Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, going back to the uh, Super Bowl, playing the Philadelphia Eagles again. The legend of Patrick Mahomes grows. When I come back, man, time for me to talk about my wife. Time for me to talk about the love of my life. Time for me to talk about my favorite sports league. Time for me to talk about what is happening in the NBA right here on Wendell's world and sports one
1: two three
0: four five six seven. Zach can sound like Kevin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. My moment, cow come and get some. Yeah. Play of my position. Hot on this one for all the sick ones. Affliction, poisonous, dark sickness. Best believe, finger itching with two broke legs. Now I'm tripping on MC's cliche. Shot that ricochet, start triple bust bubble. Hip the wicked ways, gotta love me. want one above me. Look good, but fuck ugly. Tap your jaw from my punch, fucking son, and you got you shitting in your last, ugly. Yeah, uh-huh. yo, uh-huh. hey, yo, who you got up. I was hitting your
2: ex-hoes. Last segment of the podcast. Last segment of the program Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Hope you're doing what you need to do to make this world a better place to be. After what we saw in Memphis. After the police brutality or the another attack by our domestic terrorists. Everybody talks about ISIS shit. We got ISIS right here. They're in blue. And they wear badges. So, uh, yeah, man. Interesting. In Memphis. In Memphis. Home of Stack Studios. Home of the Lorraine Motel. Lord had mercy, I had to educate them folks a little while ago, last semester, when I was doing my substitute teaching about, this is the Lorraine Motel, this is where Dr. King was killed, this is who Dr. King was, right down the street was Memphis Studios, this is where Booker T and the MGs played, this is where the greatest of them all, Otis Redding, recorded and did a thing, this is where Sam and Dave did their thing, This is this is part of Americana, This is one of the reasons why you're living in the society that you're living in today and not a whole lot worse. The story of Stack Studios should be told. And I had to go over that. I had to explain to them kids why Dr. King was in Memphis. And actually, there was one person who actually, when I came back to school the next semester, actually remembered about 25% of the shit I, uh, that I was talking about. She remembered the Lorraine Motel. She remembered where it was in Tennessee, and she remembered Stack Studios. So that was one of my all-time favorite students right there who, who got it, baby. She got it. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Mr. Wallace, toss somebody. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. Oh, Lord have mercy. It's time for me to talk about my NBA. Now, went ahead, did some things. I'm doing this on a Tuesday. Really didn't get an opportunity to go back and check some things because I was just looking at the standings. I know I should just be able to turn on my computer and take a look at the standings, but I'm not near a computer, so I'm just going to go on my notes in which... A few games have passed at the midway point of the season. Interesting season so far. We you take a look at the Eastern Conference standings. The top six seeds are the Boston Celtics, 36-15 and 15. as of Monday. The Philadelphia 76ers, 32-16, and 16, even though they lost to the Orlando Magic with Joel Embiid playing. Ouch. Two and a half games back, the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis going nutty. Um third place as of well, Monday, there were thirty-two and seventeen, three games back. The Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving. Well, he's not tweeting some anti-Semitic shit or retweeting it. He's uh being on his best behavior and playing some of his best ball in the, of his career from a totality standpoint in terms of the impact that not only is he having as far as an individual standpoint, but also on his team with the loss of Kevin Durant, who I think is going to be out a couple of more weeks or past the All-Star game. So this is a situation where the Nets are just kind of treading water, but, you know, they're still in fourth place five games back with a 30-19 record. The Cleveland Cavaliers, man, still waiting to see Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell play a consistent amount of games. They're almost like the West Coast version or the Western Conference version of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, even though both of those guys have been playing more consistent basketball now. But this season, we still haven't gotten that continuity in terms of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell either once out or the other one is out, but um, they're in 5th place with a 30-21 and 21 record. They're 6 games back. And then the Miami Heat, after a slow start, getting some of the guys that were injured, Jimmy Butler and such, back into the fold. They are 28-22, and 7.5 games back. They are in 6th place. The play-in tournament, if the season ended today, and it's not, and it isn't, You would have the New York Knicks, 27 and 24, nine games back. You would have the Atlanta Hawks, 25 and 25, 10 and a half games back. Still, Nate McMillan still coaching the team. Um, Indiana Pacers are in ninth place, 24 and 27, 12 games back. 12 games back. And my Washington Wizards, 23 and 26, 12 games back. Bradley Beal is back. Porzingis, you know what? He's back. After a very disappointing stint with uh, Luca being the Robin to uh, Luca being Batman, uh, he was more like uh, Alfred uh, in far as uh, the help that he was giving uh, Luca in terms of being that guy flamed out, didn't work in Dallas, but it has quite a resurgence in D.C. playing with the Wizards. I, I'm not saying that he's the Christoph Porzingis that was in New York and people thought that this unicorn was going to be one of the top players in the NBA, but but I think he settled into a role with the Wizards to where I think this is just as good as he's going to be, which is a pretty good player, which is a notch below being an all-star. Now, you sign Bradley Beal to a max contract and you're thinking that, okay, we can pair up Porzingis with Bradley Beal with the improvement of Kyle Kuzma, Kuzma, we might have something here. Uh, you don't. In terms of the Wizards, in terms of what I want them to be, which are contenders for the championship. If you're not going to be a contender for the championship, I wanted the Wizards to be contenders for Victor Wimbenyana. And if it meant getting rid of everybody and going 2-82, I don't give a damn, because I want that generational great known as Victor Wimbenyana. So right now, the Wizards are right in irrelevant land. Not good enough to really do anything, but not bad enough to be uh, in a position to uh, get a player with uh, some some impact. Despite some of the the, the good moves that GM Tommy Shepard has made for the Wiz, um, much better than Ernie Grunfeld, who sunk this organization for uh years and years and years to come so the knicks the atlanta hawks the indiana pacers and the washington wizards seed 7 8 9 and 10 for the playing tournament outside looking in the 11th spot in the eastern conference you have the chicago bulls 23 and 26 12 games back boy what a, what a disappointing season for the uh chicago bulls huh I mean, uh, Nicole Vucevic is not working. Zach Levine is still rallying into shape with knee injuries. Oh, by the way, he signed himself. He's in the first year of a big, huge contract, so... Um, there might be some talk, there might be some chatter, if not this year, but maybe next year about maybe uh, trading him, uh, because if the Bulls are just going to go down the toilet, what are you going to be doing having both DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine on your team? But that team can't play any defense. Lord have mercy, that team can't play any defense. I mean, every people are, are averaging getting career nights almost uh, every single night against the uh, against the Chicago Bulls. So I'm also wondering. How long is it going to be for Billy Donovan to uh, have that job? But right now, they're in 11th place. The Toronto Raptors are in 12th, 23, and 28, 13 games back, playing for the Victor Wimbignana Sweepstakes, or the Victor Wimbignana Lottery, trying to win that. Teams trying to get in last stream, trying to get that number one pick, to maybe even a number two pick, because they say Scoot Henderson Who's playing in the G League is also a guy that could uh, make an impact on a uh, franchise, uh, also. But uh, for playing for the Wimbignana Sweepstakes, we have the Orlando Magic. Even though they won against the Philadelphia 76ers, they're still in 13th place, about 16 and a half games back. 14th, the Charlotte Hornets, losing tonight to the um, Milwaukee Bucks. They are 21 and a half games back. And then. At the bottom of the Eastern Conference, number 15, we have the Detroit Pistons, who I think gave up, what, 150 to Milwaukee the other night? I think that was the game Giannis had 50. I don't know. He had something ridiculous. But um, the Pistons, 13-38, 23 games back, and uh, still have uh, uh, Bogan Bogdanovich. Don't know why they still have him on the squad. Those, Those guys should be tanking. Western Conference standings. Number one, the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, unbelievable. Great um, play from uh, uh, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, rounding back into shape. They are standing atop of the Western Conference, which really doesn't have that front load or the uh, the top couple of teams like the Eastern Conference does. This is still a jambalaya of mix in the Western Conference, with Denver being number one, the Memphis Grizzlies being number two, 31-8. 18 to two and a half games back. The Sacramento Kings. I bet you, you had no idea that as of Sunday night, that the Sacramento Kings were anywhere near the top of the Western conference, 27 and 21. Give my man, Mike Brown, real, real credit. For uh, taking that uh, franchise and doing what he's doing right now uh, with the bonus and uh, the players uh, surrounding him, Keegan Murray, the rookie coming in and doing some things, and uh, really uh, turning things around for that program. Uh, De'Aaron Fox playing much better basketball. The Los Angeles Clippers, after a slow start because of injury, now they've got Kawhi back and they've got Paul George back. Kawhi is playing. Uh, regular minutes. I mean, this is a situation where he's averaging anywhere between 32, 35 minutes a night, putting up really good scores. He seems to be uh, rounding back into shape. I, I don't know if Kawhi can ever be consistently that top 10, top 5 basketball player that he was near the end of his San Antonio tenure in in um, Toronto, but um, Toronto, but uh, Kawhi. It's still going to be that guy along with Paul George uh doing some work for Tilou's squad uh getting back to uh, fourth place after a very disappointing first part of the uh, season for them the New Orleans Pelicans falling 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 Zion not in the um not in the uh, lineup because of injury uh, Brandon Ingram is back, but uh, Zion, who's supposed to be one of the starters for the uh, Western Conference All-Star game, he has missed uh, some games because of injury. The Pelicans have lost a ton of games, and now they are 26-24. and 24, And in sixth place, another team that's kind of made a comeback after a very disappointing opening part of the season, the Minnesota Timberwolves making a run without Carl Anthony Towns who's been out for an extended amount of time because of injury. Anthony Edwards playing better. Rudy Gobert now um, kind of playing the same role that he had in Utah. I remember one of the reasons why he wanted to leave Utah because he wanted to be more involved in the offense. Well, even without Carl Anthony Towns there and some need for scoring, Rudy Gobert's job is still to set picks, to play defense, to rebound, and to block shots. So um, the Timberwolves have gotten themselves off the canvas Canvas and they have um, gotten themselves into the last spot of the playoffs so far this season. The play-in tournament, take a look at these games for the play-in tournament. If the Western Conference season ended today, again, which it doesn't, but, man, take a look at these teams that are going to be in the play-in tournament if that possibility were to um, to progress to the end of the season. You have in seventh place in the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors, 25 and 24, eight and a half games back. The number eight seed, the Luka-led Dallas Mavericks, twenty and twenty-six and twenty-five. The number nine seed, Phoenix Suns, who for the past couple of years were the best team in the Western Conference, at least during the regular season, they're in eighth they're in ninth place. They finally got Chris Paul back. They finally got Devin Booker back. They're in ninth place with a 26 and 25 record. And then a team that should be tanking, then a team that should be doing everything it can to be trading Jordan Clarkson and 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 um Mike Connolly and anybody else that can do the, who that can who can contribute to that team with the with the exception of Laurie marketing the Utah Jazz 26 and 26 outside looking in we have the Oklahoma City Thunder at the number 11 seed the number 12 seed falling the Portland Trail Blazers the number 13th seed the Los Angeles Lakers not expected to make any type of moves aka trading Russell Westbrook before the end of before the uh, trade deadline but they are in 13th place with a 27 and 23 record and yes I know they got gypped yes I know they got robbed yes I know all those things happened. but guess what man you still had overtime to win the, to win the basketball game and you didn't get it done should you be upset yes should you be angry yes but you still had the opportunity to win that basketball game I know the non-call against the Celtics was horrendous it was terrible it was unacceptable it was inexcusable again you still had the opportunity to win the game in overtime and you did not so hey man, that's the way it is, 13, 13th place at LeBron chases Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to be the all-time leading scorer in, in NBA history playing for the Victor Wimbenyana sweepstakes, we have in 14th place the San Antonio Spurs 36, uh, sorry, sorry 14 and 36 and then in last place the Steven Silas led Houston Rockets, 12 and 38. and I'm guessing with Albert Sangoon, the center from Greece, has gotten better in fact, I think he posted a triple double uh, a couple of nights ago or a couple of games ago. He, he seemed to improve, but what about Kevin Porter Jr. and uh, Jalen Green? Should't should they be contributing more to wins? I'm not saying that they need to be, you know, competing for anything serious, but still 12 and 38 with long losing stretches. I mean, the development of Jalen Green and um, Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, I mean, how is that going? How is that working where, you know, Green is putting up numbers, but they're not winning games. And again, we, we know this was going to be a process. We know that there was going to be some bumps in the road. We know there wasn't going to be a smooth sailing in terms of the uh, ascension of the Houston Rockets from being just horrible to just sort of kind of bad, you know, as you moved your way up the top. But, man, this is just—this is um, hmm, just—I don't know if the coach—I don't know what's going on down in Houston, but— They stink. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So some of the top storylines of the season that I want to get to before we get out of here. Number one, um, you take a look. Again, parody in this league, man. We don't have a Golden State Warriors of Steph Draymond and Clay of the team that won three straight championship games. We don't have that super team. We don't have that dream team. We don't have Steph and Clay and KD and those type of guys. We, we we don't have that. You take a look at the top NBA teams so far. All of them are good, but all of them also have flaws. When you take a look at the Boston Celtics and the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. I'll put them in that elite uh, category also. When you take a look at boston after winning nine games in a row then losing street uh, three straight including including getting worked at orlando celtics very fortunate to win that game and get the lakers on sunday again of uh, that blown call which uh could have sank the celtics for that game jason tatum still playing like an mvp candidate playing through the uh wrist and uh, hand injuries. Jalen Brown coming back to be a legit second uh, best player on a championship team, averaging 27 points a game, seven rebounds. Denver is a legit camp- uh, championship contender. I would believe, right? But are you guys just waiting for the golden state warriors to start caring and get um, healthy in terms of Steph getting back all the way from the uh, shoulder surgery or shoulder injury, which caused him to miss some games. Clay has been much better. This season, uh, Draymond, the all-around game so far, still not getting anything from their young cats. When you take a look at the year um that they didn't do well, and some of the years that they went ahead and they got themselves Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, that, that that group that was supposed to make that transition, um, really haven't really hasn't contributed. The the, the development or the improvement of Jonathan Kaminga uh, one in particular because he was the only one of the three that really got some playing time last year for the Golden State Warriors. He really hasn't progressed the way that they thought they, that they, that many people thought, uh, Kaminga would. But as long as you've got Steph Curry and you've got that, uh, championship pedigree, is it just a matter of Denver keeping the seat warm for the Golden State Warriors? Have the Golden State Warriors now progressed? to that point of their dynasty or that point of this, this this team to where they can go ahead and not worry about home court advantage uh, when it counts most in the playoffs. And the Denver Nuggets, are they just more of a, of, a, of a regular season team? Jokic has played out of his mind. Again, Aaron Gordon should be an all-star and Jamal Murray rounding into shape. has played very well in the time periods when Jokic has not been on the floor and, and has missed games. Uh, Denver All uh, last season fell off a cliff when Jokic was on the bench. But now with Jamal coming back and rounding back into shape before he had that devastating knee injury, now we see that Denver uh, is doing much better. And again, in first place in the Western Conference, one of the best teams right now in the NBA. We, we speak about a situation with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, Chris Middleton, is now back, but now Drew Holiday is in and out of the lineup with um, injury, and Giannis is still Giannis, so, man, a lot of good teams, a lot of good, you know, um, good teams, but no dynasty, no, this team is clearly the best team in the NBA, not even a situation where it was with Phoenix a couple of years ago or last year to where they had great records, but still, they didn't have that championship uh, medal to show that even with the regular season, the transition to the postseason is going to be seamless because we see them make that jump before from being great regular season to being NBA champions. But even nearly, re- really with the NBA this season, not even really good regular season teams or dominant regular season teams or teams that were built to win a lot of games for the regular season, really taking the notch above everybody else. So... It's going to be interesting, it's going to be interesting moving forward. I think when I do my YouTube episode, I've got to be speaking about all of the scoring, individual scoring that's happening in the uh, NBA because it's nutty, man. It is absolutely positively nutty what's going on in the NBA with all of these guys um, scoring at such a incredible, incredible pace. So, you know, you've had 19 games this season where a player has scored over 50 points. Last season, it took the entire year for players to score 50 points 19 times. But so far, Luka has scored over 50 points four times this season. Uh, You know, other players who have scored 50 points, Giannis, Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson, Pascal Siakam, Devin Booker, Darius Garland, Steph Curry. Some where you say, yeah, that's plausible. Others where you say, really? Donovan Mitchell had 71 points in a game against Chicago and they needed every single one of them because they went to overtime to win that game. So it wasn't a situation where, you know, the the Cavaliers were up by 30 and they were just going for points. No, they needed Mitchell to score 71 points and he did it. He did it. That game against the Knicks, where Luka had 60 and 20, what, 21 rebounds and 10 assists, one of the most Im- unbelievable stat lines in modern NBA history. You know, we're, we're speaking about after like Wilt Chamberlain type of numbers, you're putting up 60, 21, and uh, 10. Jokic, I think, had a game where he had like 41 points, 27 rebounds, and like 10, 11 assists. I mean, that's just unbelievable stuff that's happening as far as the individual accomplishments from these guys in the NBA. So it's just great, man. Devin Booker has had two games over 50 points. In one of those games, it was 58. LeBron passing Wilt Chamberlain and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Again, uh, he's going to be passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming up pretty soon. I'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, so some good stuff, some awesome stuff, some excellent stuff, some wonderful stuff going on in the NBA. So, yeah, man, thank you very much for listening. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to uh, rock and roll and uh, get myself an In-N-Out burger and uh, relax and watch some NBA basketball and get ready for work tomorrow. So I am want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Thank you for giving me the platform to speak about what I spoke about the first segment of the program. Um, be good to each other, please. Can we? Can we do that? Can we learn from each other? Can we respect each other? Can we try to get out of our comfort zones just a little bit so we can grow so that we can become better people? Hey man, I ain't bullshitting. You know, this ain't fucking nonsense. If you go ahead and you really want to become a better human being, a more well-rounded human being, man, you got to get off your block. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to get away from your community and go see something else. Go experience something else. Go meet somebody else. Go learn from somebody else. Go talk to somebody else of something, of someone different and have a real discussion. Have an honest discussion and learn from that person. I'm not saying you have to break bread with that person. I'm not saying you have to name your firstborn after that person. I'm not saying that you have to live next door to that person. I'm not saying you have to date and then marry that person. I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with that person. I'm just saying learn from somebody. Talk to somebody different. Even if it's for five minutes, even if it's for 10 minutes, man, you'll be astounded. You'll be incredulous in terms of how much you can learn and what a better person you can be. Take it from me. I'm living proof of that, man. I am definitely living proof of that. So please be good to yourselves. Treat everybody with respect. Listen, learn, shut up, and listen and learn with respect so we can make this place a better place to be for our children. Too late for my generation. Too late for your generation. For the younger generation, do it for them because they're going to be here long gone when they're still trying to see what we can do to put people on Mars and live on Mars. So, yeah, there you go. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World in Sports. Get me out. Out of here, with some music. <music>